Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larvey. This is Where Should I Invest? And I am Sarah Larby and today's guest, and I apologize because I may butcher his name, but Pavel Blazewicz is a real estate investor that came from overseas and started investing in Canada. So we talk about Edmonton, we talk about investing in Ontario, and then we also talk about his investments and the differences between investing in a country like Poland or the UK. And uh, it is quite insightful, the differences. So I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. And uh, before we bring in Powell, then uh, let's hear from Dahlia Barsoom first at Streetwise Mortgages. Dahlia, over to you. Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. And today we are going to talk about promissory notes. Promissory notes is um, a financing tool that I hear about a lot within the real estate investment community. Uh, I'm not a big fan of promissory notes, but I do understand that there is a place for such type of money for both real estate investors as well as for lenders who are looking to earn a higher return. Today, I want to explain what a promissory note is and inform you as an investor, whether you're borrowing or lending money of the risks that come with this financing strategy. So let's talk about what a promissory note. A promissory note essentially is a loan to a borrower that is unsecured. Uh, it is really about the promise to return the money. So the borrower signs a piece of paper that says that they are committed to returning this money back to you as a lender. And that piece of paper implies the terms of the law. So how long are you lending the money for? What are you charging in terms of fees? What are you charging in terms of interest? And in many cases, uh, the borrower provides what's called a personal guarantee. That money is unsecured against a property, although in some cases it can be registered as a caution. It is not really protected the same way a private mortgage is protected. So for real estate investors, promissory notes really help in some cases. Some investors may need that type of money to supplement a shortage in funding. Let's say someone uh, ran, um, you know, a, a construction or a renovations project and things have taken longer than expected or cost more than expected. And there is no more room to get additional funding and they need to get that project to completion. Uh, that's where a maybe small room, a small loan to supplement the shortage can come in handy or a loan for a short term period can come in handy. Uh, let's say someone uh, needs to consolidate debts and there is again, no room to get a secured mortgage. That's where a promissory note can help. So there is definitely a place for such type of money. And as a real estate investor, you'll uh, source it in smaller chunks, uh, 10,000, 20,000, 50,000, 100,000 maybe. So if you're looking for a larger loan, you'll have to source multiple promissory notes typically. I've seen this type of money uh, cost double digits, 17% interest or more. It's also more expensive in terms of lender fees. Having said that, some real estate investors who have a great name on the street and a great network of 
people can source that type of money more cheaply. The risk for you as a real estate investor, if you're using this type of money, is what I call over leverage. Not high leverage, but over leverage. What's over leverage? Well, over leverage is essentially chewing on more than you can handle. Because this type of money is not secured against a property. You can easily take on a lot and it can cause problems down the road. So you've got to be very careful of how much of this money you borrow. For the lenders who are looking to lend promissory notes, I get it, folks. I get that the returns are a lot more attractive than private money and uh, are lucrative, but you really need to understand what you're stepping into. You really need to understand the risks that you're taking. There is a reason to why this money is lucrative. It is because these loans are not secured. And as much as the borrower is providing you with a personal guarantee, that personal guarantee is as good as the assets that are disclosed and are accessible uh, for that personal guarantee to materialize. So let's talk about the worst case scenario, which is the borrower defaulting on your loan. Although the promissory note may be registered against a property as a caution, if the borrower defaults, well, guess who gets paid first? The private mortgage, uh, sorry, the first mortgage that is registered in first position will get paid first. The second mortgage, if there is equity, and then the third and fourth, if there is anything left. For promissory note holders, you will have to pursue legal action uh, through the court system to recoup your capital. Um, that's really how it would unfold if things go south. So if you're lending money to borrowers through an unsecured promissory note, it's great that you're making the high double-digit returns, but I want you to be aware of the risks and be prepared for the worst-case situation. Please always, whether you're a borrower or whether you are a lender, get independent legal advice and explore other financing options that are available to you before you pursue this path. My team and myself are always here to support you. If you're looking for options or second opinions when it comes to funding, always reach out to us at info at streetwisemortgages.com. Awesome, Dahlia. Thank you so much. And guys, reach out if you have any real estate investing questions, you need advice, you need any help. We are all, you know, a, a small industry and we all know each other in some capacity or another. So if you are looking for a, you know, connection to a contractor or maybe, a, you know, a team member that you don't have on your team or anything at all, reach out Sarah at sarahlarby.com or check out the website, sarahlarby.com and let me know how I can help. Thanks guys. Powell, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much for having me. How are you? Good, good. I'm excited to speak to you. You know, I think this is probably the first, maybe the first time that we've spoken. I, I know I, I follow you on Instagram. You have a great story. And so I wanted to bring you on and, and have you share with the audience uh, a little bit more about you and, and your success, the mindset piece, some of the deals, some of the struggles, all that good stuff. So maybe before we, we really dive into it, give us a, a little bit of who you are. I'm in Canada since 2016. So about six years. Good country, 
a nice country. We moved over here with my family from Ireland. So, so we were born in, in Poland and then we started migrating west. We bounced off Ireland for a decade and then we decided that, okay, it's enough of Guinness that we drank. So let's see what's, what else is out there. Right? So we uh, started looking around and we ended up after two and a half years of permanent residency application, we we're here. Nice. So, so how did the real estate investing come about? So we've been investing since 2007 in Europe. It wasn't rocket science in Europe. If you bought an apartment and you, you made it that low or then you moved on to another one after a while, but it was our money. It, it wasn't really investing, investing as we learned what it means on this side of the pond is a little bit different. So yeah, we gathered a couple of apartments in, in Europe. And then as we were, you know, moving to different countries, we we're purchasing something just to, to live in it. And then as we're exiting the, the country, we left it. It's just as a safety net type of thing. If, if the, the next country doesn't work out, we always have a you know, easy way uh, back. Same thing with Ireland. And we gave Canada a shot and everybody was doing real estate over here when we came. And this market is like, this is something different. Like it's in Europe, it just takes away like four to 3% up and down. Over yeah. here, we landed first year, 22%. Second year, 33%. I'm like, so, you know, we decided if we, we gave Canada a year, well, sounds bad. We, we decided to, you know, not do anything for a year, make sure that we like the country. And if not, mm -hmm. let's just go back to, to Ireland. Very comfortable life in there. But no, it worked out. So we decided, okay, let's buy in. We, we looked at Toronto prices and we're like, I'm not paying a million dollars for a bungalow with a basement. So yeah. we decided to move away a little bit from Toronto. We went to Ajax, not that far, still 30 minutes, hop on a go, train you there. And yeah, we got a little bit of a round down and unit townhouse. We done it all up. We sold it, what, about two years ago? And we managed to swap it for seven rental units and upgraded principal residence. Right? So that was following, of course, years of learning and of trying to understand how the system works because the financial products that you have available in Canada are completely different to the ones in Europe. Yeah, so we haven't heard about stuff like HELOCs or refinancing. I was like, what do you mean refinancing? After five years, I need to apply for it again? That made no sense in my head. That is, that is interesting because, you know, so, so maybe just, you know, obviously you sold the townhouse, you got seven. It sounds like now you're more active as an investor in the sense that you're doing it on purpose versus just buying a house, you know, to, to right. check out. But like, so you invested in Ireland, you invested in, you said Poland, and you talked about how the increases year over year and the return on investment, I guess, from an equity standpoint is quite different than in Canada. And obviously, you know, the last 10 years has definitely been a, a great market here for many of us. But, you know, part of it is not the norm necessarily per se forever. But like, what are, you know, other than the rates, what are some of the differences? Like if you look at like Ireland and Poland, like from a financing standpoint or legal standpoint, like what are some of the big things that like, if you had to pick it, you know, just a handful of them that you said, these are different versus investing in Canada. Over here, it looks like you have a way more control over what to access to your money, right? So let's start with the HELOC where you can tap into the equity of the house. That was something... If you wanted to tap into the equity of the house or apartment that you had in Europe, you would have to sell it. That's it. It's as simple as that. Over here, what we also learned, you know, as we were discovering a couple of things, you know, that the interest on the borrowed money is tax deductible. So you start to, you know, create this puzzle. And as you learn the pieces and you're like, okay, so if I connect this with this one, it's going to give me, and it's like a snowball that just keeps on growing every year, right? So it's exactly what they say. It's timing the market, not timing the market. It's over here. It makes complete sense. You just need to buy and hold on to it for whatever amount of years and, and you should be good. It's like the moment that you purchase the additional investment house or real estate, whatever you, you decide, you already change your life, right? You already change the trajectory of your life because in 25 years, if that's paid down, 
well, you, you would be better off if, you know, if you've never done it, right? So the second one was the way that you can formulate partnerships over here, the JVs and stuff like that. We never considered going with other people's money or, you know, partnering up with somebody because it's just, I don't know, the, the mindset wasn't there, maybe. It's like, we were just, you know, a simple purchase of an apartment, hold it, make sure that, you know, you pay down the mortgage, get the, get it cash flow. And that's, that was the whole idea, right? It's like, but over here, you can actually, you know, force the appreciation and do so many different things. And then if you combine it with, you know, acquisition and then raising money and then, you know, ma management of the whole thing, well, you have the, the whole puzzle, right? It's like, you just yeah. want to make sure that you know how to connect them. The fact that we've been managing apartments, you know, 7,000 kilometers away or 4,000 yeah. kilometers away, whichever way. So that, that part was easy for us. Like buying in Alberta, we done three months ago. Yeah, that, that's no problem. It's like, we knew that we wouldn't be able to invest in, in Toronto because, or GTA for the cash flow, because it just doesn't work that way. So the first one, as we were starting, we couldn't understand it because people, everybody was doing real estate, but they were betting on the appreciation. Right. After, but you know, buying after, a lot of pre-construction condos and things yeah. like that, like they knew would not cash flow or, I, or right. maybe they just didn't even pay attention to that. It was just literally, yeah, I used to be an equity play and that's not investing. That's speculation. It can be very dangerous. Exactly. So that was exactly how we're thinking. So everybody that we spoke to, well, everybody, the most, most people that we spoke to, like we, we didn't, that wasn't our way. So it wasn't the way we did it. We always did it for the cash flow because why would I be paying for having it? That makes no sense. Mm -hmm. Of course, yes. In, in the long run, if you look at the appreciation with the knowledge that we have now and also the appreciation of how different the provinces are, which we didn't yeah. really recognize when we were moving to this country. Somebody said Canada is like Europe and then provinces are like countries. And that makes more sense in my head because, you know, we're, we're not used to this federal government and the local governments it's, and mm -hmm. then, you know, so many different governments. Everybody yeah. wants money from you. Yeah. That's another one, right? It's a lot, it's a lot of uh, them dipping into our pockets, that's for sure. This is it. So as, as you try to, to learn the tax system and to learn the rules of the game, because, well, you need to know how to play it. If, if you don't know the rules, how do you want to play it? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that took us a little bit as we were, you know, going through the, the first townhouse. And we, COVID was, of course, it was bad. But for the real estate and, you know, outskirts of Toronto, for the appreciation, that was just... Yeah, jackpot, right? So, so we were very happy with the results and, and now we understand how to do it. We have a plan because there's me and my wife and we have two children and a dog. We, th there's three freedoms that we need. It's like, we need location freedom, we need financial freedom, and then we need time. So the location freedom is going to happen in a month. She's okay. Where are you guys going? Oh no, me meaning we can do whatever we want because there will be no restraints or no company will tell us that we can't travel anywhere because it will be fully us now. So we're moving everything okay. under one, one business. That's my wife is moving her, you know, stuff into this business and we're gaining that, that location. So that's very okay. exciting in a month. Yeah. And, and so, yep, the real estate is going to be the financial freedom, but that's going to take a little bit longer. So has anything changed since obviously the rates have gone up and, you know, from a, I guess, financial freedom, because a lot of people saw their cash flow dwindling away. And I don't know what your situation was like, but maybe if you don't mind sharing with the audience. Of course, well, so everybody feels the pain, right? So it's, it's the, the cash flow is less now, and then it's, it's going to be better when the rates drop, whenever they drop. They will, mm -hmm. hopefully. But this is what I mean, right? If you, when we moved over here and we, we knew how to underwrite them, it's like, that wasn't, you know, a, a big problem because you, you need to take into account stuff that people, when we were talking, they were like vacancy rate. They, they, they weren't looking into that. I'm like, okay. So it's, we were still green, all of the buildings that we have, not as green as it used to be, but 
we'll just wait, right? So now we're looking into refinancing a couple of them, get the money out, just build up that cushion just in case we need to, you know, float it for a little bit. We have one triplex that we're just bringing another tenant in. So the last unit is going to be rented. So that's going to help as well, right? Because the, the rents in Ontario, wow, it's like the increase. Yeah. It's, it's a lot, right? It's like, so where is the portfolio mostly? I know you, you talked about Alberta, but you have some in Ontario. And then if so, like, which areas are you are you currently uh, We're We're North Bay and uh, Sudbury area over there. Okay. And then yeah. in Alberta, it's uh, Central Alberta, Red Deer and, and so on. Okay. So hen- hence you you having the experience of investing far away, you didn't need to be so close to your property mm. from the past. And I don't need to touch. So, you know, I do have, you know, I do have a question because I'm sure a lot of, well, I mean, I have lots of questions, but I'm sure a lot of people listening to this too are newer, maybe to the country. How did you go about, and, you know, for somebody that's brand new, or maybe they've lived here three, four, five years, because there's, a, you know, obviously our immigration is great. There's lots of people coming in. Again, there's, there's pros and cons because I don't think we're building enough fast enough. But for somebody that, you know, is fairly new and they want to get started, like, what are some of the things that you did? Maybe the people that you've connected, maybe the team that you had, or like just some insights that you could provide, you know, a fairly newcomer to the country. This is our pet project for now. It's going to take off. We start to talk to different agencies that help people coming in. Half a million people every year now. Yeah. It's, they, yeah. They, it's a little bit, when you land over here with, with the knowledge that I have now, what products are available, it's a bit on, because you don't know what you don't know. It's like, how would you know? It's like, I, I didn't even hear about these products before. So what, what we're trying to do, we're trying to bring a little bit more awareness to the newcomers about the, you know, what's available there. I'm not licensed anything in this country. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I'm not going to be CPAs or something like that, but I just want them to know this is what it does. And this is what it does. And this is how the mortgage works. And you know, it, it differs a little bit. So this is what we're trying to, to do to help the newcomers out. We do speak with even the people that, you know, still immigrant. But I've been here for like 15 years and then we chat with them or even locals over here, right? whatever mm-hmm. you consider local in Canada. They, the financial education is, is not a surprise. It's not Canada is not the only country, right? It's like it's Poland is the same and Ireland is the same and Germany are the same. It's, it's, it's financial education. People just are, they don't understand how the money works. And uh, I don't mean money like cash. I mean money as a concept, right? So, mm-hmm. so this is, this was very interesting to. We were interested in the subject, but not to this uh, level that, that we're at right now when it comes to the money and how, you know, the whole thing operates. And actually I have this book on my, on my desk all the time that it doesn't. What's it called for those listening and not seeing? It's the Changing a World Order by Ray Dalio. Yeah. I don't know why he's not doing it, but the, this book talks about the big patterns and, you know, it takes 80 years and how the money fluctuates. And if you look back in the history of what happened over the previous currencies, right? So. Same thing is going to happen. It's like, it's just a matter of time, right? How it floats. And it's, I, I like the question that you asked, the $50,000 question. I think it's mm-hmm. exactly what we should be focusing on the real estate perspective, because the $50,000, it's still a lot of money, but it's not as much as it was five years ago. Right? No. And, but the building has, you know, appreciated with it. You didn't lose value of the building grew with it. Yeah. I mean, that's why we do real estate, right? It's so our money doesn't okay. depreciate because sometimes when people are thinking to be so safe and conservative and they put it in a GIC at 1%. Well, I mean, good luck in the last, like, you know, I would say two years or more and likely going to continue. Your money is dwindling away. It's not worth as much as as it was once, you know, we used like these properties in Toronto were like $15,000, like, you know, a few decades ago. And and I think it's just going to continue. But um, imagine buying a couple of them then. 
Yeah. And that's why it's, I think it's important, right? So like definitely have some cash handy because I, I think in the next year and a half, I think we're going to see some really great opportunities and have some cash ready to go for being able to acquire some things. Wealth distribution is going to be a big thing, I think, in the next decade, definitely as people restart retiring and selling and all the baby boomers, et cetera. I think it's a great opportunity. So have the cash, but, you know, invest in, in assets that inflation doesn't affect in a negative way. So I want to go back, though, to your investments per se. Like, what is your strategy that you were doing? And then, you know, if it's changed at all, I guess, with the rates and the difference, you know, in the economy. We, we play it very safe. We like buy and holds. And if we mix it with bird, even on an extended amount of time, like it's, you know, the townhouse that I mentioned was kind of a bird over like four years. Why not? It's like, it's, we were doing it up. So, mm -hmm. uh, but now we switch the mindset to a multi-unit because nothing else cash flows. Yeah. Or at least that we couldn't find. Now the two units and three units that we're in right now, they're great, but they're not really, you know, up to four units. It's not, I know more now after, you know, I'm part of master groups and so I surround myself. I, I actually dove very deep into this community. It's a wonderful community. And the fact that you, everybody's supportive of you, mm -hmm. it's stunning. My, my main, you know, job is IT. And that's a little bit different. Like so you get these people that, you know, I'm not saying everybody's like that. And now it's changing, which is great. But back in the days, it was like knowledge was power. So everybody was holding the cars really close to their chests. I wasn't a big fan of that type of thing. So, you know, finding out that uh, the real estate community, the investors, they all, you know, try to build themselves up and, you know, help them. And yeah. if you have a question, there is no problem. Right. So this is amazing discovery. And I, I very much like that. And, you know, I'm actually spending like between two and three hours networking every day now, speaking Thanks. to different investors and mm -hmm. just to know what's who's doing, because if you're here and then you can connect them up. They... So it's yeah. because this is a team's play, right? It's like we're looking into purchasing the first multi-units, meaning five and up. We want mm. between 12 and 20 now. And well, maybe we'll be able to do one just us as we were doing with our money. But at the end of the day, you need somebody else. So we started discovering there's raising capital and I've been practicing it for the last two years. Theoretically at first, and then the last deal was with, as I think some people call it, others people money, right? So investors came in. But yes. that opens so many questions in this country, security lawyers, all these things, right? Because you want to do it right away. You want them to be secured. You want you to be secured. Things happen. You don't know. Mm -hmm. So this is what we're focusing on. The last month and this month, we're taking it easy now. We're focusing on making sure that we have everything lined up and that we have the refinancings done. And come September. And, you know, closer to the end of the year, I think I agree with you. There will be more and more, you know, good deals popping up because, well, it's a tough times now, right? So if somebody jumped in into an expensive building, well, it might not work out. Yeah. So, so just to go back to a few things, I think you said some things in, that are quite interesting and I want to comment on them. So multifamily, I do agree with you. I think that is going to be with the rates that are the rates they are quite high and probably, in my opinion, you know, will come back down, but I don't think it's going to be right away. And I think if they come back down, this is just my guesstimation, they'll never like, they won't come back down to where we were at 2%, but, you know, maybe somewhere between four or five-ish percent at some point. And I think that's probably where the average is. But with that said, and the prices and, and the continued demand for housing, I think, you know, I don't see, I, I could be wrong, but I don't see like multifamily necessarily like crashing or you know, declining maybe as much as like a single family home or condo worth 800 or million dollars. I think there's going to be different markets that or types of properties and types of investments that will fare better than others. And I think multifamily is going to be 
one of those that will make sense. And and I think that with CMHC and, and different options like the MLI Select program, see coming up, I think Toronto just allowed for five units, you know, and you see you can exit with CMHC on that. Like it opens new doors. And I think that's where, you know, you don't want to be a speculator, right? And so a lot of people, I think when you were still new or here and you were talking to people, they were buying for equity and they were buying these paper assets because the, you know, the the amount um, required is usually not as much as like a whole 20% down. And you can amortize, you know, maybe it's 5% on signing, et cetera, et cetera. And I think those people may, may have, either they have deep pockets or they were more speculating. And I think those times will probably be gone if I had to take a guess or, or not as lucrative, in my opinion, as multifamily will. And I think there's going to be some markets that will that will definitely do better. And there's going to be some strategies that people are going to shift to. Now, with that said, you know, everyone I feel like is going to multifamily. So then you've got to figure out, are you competing with the same people uh, on the same buildings or, or can you create multifamily? And I think, you know, this is just me sharing my opinion, but I think if you can create the units, you know, that will likely be better. And also in a, an area that is rent controlled, like Vancouver, BC rather, uh, in Ontario, you can pick your tenants and, and set market rents. And I don't think that trying to do cash for keys anymore in some of these markets are going to work as well because the, the rents, and we talked about the prices obviously throughout the pandemic, but the rents have just skyrocketed as well. And doing cash for keys with people that have been there five years or so behind market, you're not even looking at five grand anymore. You mean you may not even be looking at $20,000 anymore. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. This week's podcast is brought to you by usproperties.ca. Are you looking to invest in turnkey US real estate that provides exceptional cash flow and appreciation? If so, reach out to James at james at usproperties.ca or visit the company website, usproperties.ca for more information. And now back to the show. Cash for keys. Now, I'm used to having a control over my building or whatever I have. So it's with reason. Within a month, two months, whatever the policy says of the country, I'm gaining control over it, over the, the unit. Over mm -hmm. here, it doesn't work. I mean, but here, I mean, Ontario. Yeah. That was an interesting factor. And this is what made us, because, you know, we're, we're, we, we need to, you know, build the foundation bridge just, just to, you know, mm -hmm. start running. And that was a big risk factor that we've seen, that if all the Ontario units stop paying, it's like, is it possible for all of them to stop paying? But let's say they do. Yeah. How long will I float it? Will I float it for six months? Maybe. But like I, and then the banks doesn't care. Right? Mm -hmm. And then, so it was interesting to, to learn that, right? So we started learning about, this will trigger us just going to the RTAs. So the, actually, what is it? Tenancy Act. Yeah, the LTB. Yeah. That's right. For all the provinces, right? And we learned, okay, BC and mm -hmm. Ontario, same thing. Then Alberta, Berlin, Saskatchewan. Okay. It's like with your own cash flow, maybe in your Brunswick, yeah. maybe Saskatchewan. So we learned about like a global market of, of Canada then. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, you're right. We... It, it feels like in every province is like, you're right. It is it's a different. different country because the rules and the regulations are so different and the market yeah. cycles are so different too. I mean, your market cycle with stuff in Edmonton is going to go a lot faster than an Ontario or BC market cycle, right? Where it's, you know, a lot slower to turn around. But BC, you know, like when, or sorry, Edmonton, Calgary, like, you know, depending on what happens to the industries and the oil and gas, like that's, you know, that's got its up and downs and that will affect the real estate market much faster than, you know, an Ontario market as an example. Well, you're right. They are, they feel like they're all different countries, these provinces. And that was an interesting fact to learn. Right? It's like in, in Poland, if I have rentals and now there is a specific way that you can sign the agreement, 
Usually you can't, you know, get anybody out if they stop paying, if, if you didn't sign this agreement. But if you know about these tricks, it's countrywide. Over here, it's not countrywide. So, mm -hmm. so that was fun. So we decided to, to, you know, go to Alberta and yes, that feels better because I have control over that. I can tell how much is this building going to be making. And now Ontario is great. We're going to keep it. We're going to refinance it unless we're forced to sell, but hopefully not. And then just, you know, invest in Alberta or maybe New Brunswick. But for now, we're focusing on Alberta. Okay, so you've got your North Bay, your Sudbury, and then Alberta. Is it more like, is it more cash flow out there? Because I know the rents aren't the same either. So like, is or is it a similar cash flow? It's just the landlord tenant rules are better. It's it's a better cash flow from our experience. It's okay. like, it's again, it's a limited experience. We, we yeah. started in what, 2021? So mm -hmm. two years. Mm -hmm. And then what we also changed in Alberta, we're going with the fixed rate now. So, you know. It's a four or five years or three years, whichever way, but at least I can exactly tell you how much that's going to be costing. There's no surprises. There's no up and downs. All, all this other stuff, including this residence is variable in our case, right? Yes. So we wanted to have that option to get out because we, we saw what was coming. We couldn't really understand how much it's going to go up. They, they did surprise us how far up they went. It's like that wasn't the plan. When the rates were like 125, we were using five and a half as a, you know, when we were underwriting them. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was fair, <laughs> mm -hmm. but, right? so, but we're still good. But the, it's coming back to your question about cash flow. Yeah, there's a pension. There's, they don't cash flow that much, but in Ontario, that's okay. Because if you think about two, three, four years and they bring yeah. in 500,000 people will come here, about 50% are going to stay in the GTA in this region because well, it's, this is where the whole thing happens, right? It's like, it's uh, from the newcomer perspective. Yeah. I, th I think that's where just a lot of like opportunities, jobs. Yeah universities for the kids, that kind of stuff. Exactly. So, so and there's so much and, and the money, right? It's like, but then to live here, you earn more, but you also spend more. So depending on, I, I think a lot of people will bounce off Toronto and then they will decide that this is crazy. When we arrived in 2016, we, mm -hmm. we got a, a, a house, which was a detached house, a bungalow with a basement, two and a half thousand dollars for the whole house with a garage, everything. Yeah. Now the same house for 4,300. Yeah. I believe. Wait. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a different cost, you know, cost of living. I think, you know, I'm currently leasing a bunch of units right now in, in Hamilton, you know, and the original rents that we projected a year ago when we bought them versus like what we're actually listing and getting right now is actually quite different as well. You know, but I also think that it's just going to like, hopefully people can still make, you know, manage to pay them, but there's not a whole lot of new units that are coming up that are like affordable anymore, which is the downside of all of this, right? Because we're business owners and, and we're entrepreneurs and we have to, like, we still have to make some level of income in order to do this. Otherwise, you know, it's not worth it. We move our money and we move our investments somewhere else. But you, you know, if you're coming to the country into a new unit, I don't think that they are understanding the cost really of what it is today, which was completely different than even two years ago. And it, and it's scary. It is scary. Like we've done our due diligence because it's, Canada is not the first country we moved. We've done this move without the child then, right? That was new, a, a variable, right? It was like 13 months old child. Well, it's easy. Pick him mm -hmm. up, on yes. you go. Now it's a little bit more tricky because he's eight and the other, we have a new one. So the school comes into play and this is, you know, you can't really do much with that. It's like, there is like between Ireland, US and Canada, the systems are compatible. So we could be moving around that should we choose to, but we couldn't just move to Poland. That would be a complete change from the schooling system, right? So 
So with the migration process, as, as you go through the journey, you need to think about so many different things, depending on how many members of your family are you traveling with. Mm-hmm. And the dog. Like, turns out, if it wasn't from Ireland, we would have to land in Canada and keep him in for a month in the quarantine because it's, oh, it's well. not. But the fact that rabies comes to Ireland did, we don't have a problem. We could just take him out from the airport and on you go. So one of the things that we learned was that the, the fact that I've been driving for 20 years means nothing over here. Because it's not North America. The question is, have you driven in North America? And mm. then the answer was no, in Europe. And I've driven on both sides of the street. Because remember, in, in Ireland, they drive on the wrong or the right side of the street. How do you say it? <laughs> it Depending on who, who says that. Yeah. And, and the first quotes for the insurance was $10,000. The car was like five. I'm like, so, you know, immediately we knew that there was something happening over here and it's very focused on the monetary portion. And then we learned about the real estate, 20%, 30%. Like this was, you know, it's super interesting, but you really need to be, you know, careful on what you do and do your due diligence and learn a little bit before you pull the trigger on something because just buying a house to have it, that's, you know, just make sure that you know what you're Yeah, for sure. Now you mentioned networking prior. You know, maybe let's talk about that. I mean, like, because obviously, you know, you went from being an accidental landlord, I think, from an accidental investor to being very strategic. Like, what are some things that helped you understand, learn? Like, what are you doing from a networking standpoint that somebody could do just to get the information? And and I, I think most importantly, you took action, which also is important versus just learning and networking, right? At some point, you've got to, you got to move yeah. forward. Yeah, otherwise nothing's going to happen, right? You can read all the books. No, we learned a few things and we just jumped in. We were using HELOC at that stage for the first two properties bought in the same day, by the way. So so that was a complete, that, that blew my mind. When we moved over here, my mindset was, okay, well, in Poland, you, you, you know, it's a very blue collar type of bring up, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you, you work hard and for 30 years and this apartment is going to be yours. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I'm in Canada and in one, in one day I bought two houses. So four units in one day. Like that was unheard of. And, you know, I, I still, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about that day because that, that, that day changed a lot, right? It's like, it's, we knew that there was so much more possible that we didn't know. So we started discovering this whole thing. These two properties were bought our, our name, but then we started, you know, dealing with the Dahlia's team, for example, right? Streetwise mortgages. So they helped us with pretty much everything what we've been doing over here, apart from purchasing the first house, because we didn't know them then, right? But. Since then, we've done a lot of business with them and, and it's a great team because not only they will help you, you know, analyze the deal. If there was something mm-hmm. funny with the deal, they'll point it out. It's like, listen, this is, I don't think this is going to work. So, you know, having the proper team behind you with people that are understanding what you're trying to do, because with all the brokers out there, some are more savvy, some are less savvy, right? It's like, depending on what the target is, if, it, if it's a family buying a first home, right? It's yeah. Like it's, well, it's a whole, that's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> Exactly, right? So so it was great to find a team of people that, that understood what we were trying to do after we knew what we were trying to do, right? So, and, and just slowly discovering the, the, the right people to talk to and the right teams to work with. And then well, four or five years in now, when, you know, starting to talk to people, I started joining different master groups and master classes. So I think it's close to like $50,000 that I spent for my education, but it doesn't matter because that 50 gave me whatever much. Yeah. And, it, and you rub shoulders with people now. That like the last game, one of my coaches, he just bought 144 units in one go. I was just talking buying four. He bought 144. Mm-hmm. So this is just un- unheard of, right? So, so be around these, not maybe the tables where the decision is made, but to see how it was prepared and how, we, we saw it at the background as it was, you know, unfolding. Stunning, right? So, so if, if 
he's doing it, it's like, well, that means that, you know, somebody else can do it too. So, and that opens the, the mindset portion, right? So this, this real estate journey is amazing because it, it's, it makes us do stuff, not really real estate specific. It's mindset, it's the physical yeah. health. I'm in the best form of my life now because I joined the gym like a year ago or something. And, you know, it just, it's great. So it, it impacts, if you allow it, it will impact your whole life throughout, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's really well said. And I think it just helps you expand your mind, right? Surrounding yourself with people that, you know, sometimes are 10 steps ahead. You're like, oh, this is possible. And ironically, you know, there's not that much more work and effort buying, you know, something like 140 units. And I know it sounds crazy versus four units. It's still right. a very similar amount of hours that you might be spending, but it definitely sounds scarier because I think that, the, you know, the There's upside and the downside the can be a lot more. And, you know, I think it, it also, I think real estate is an aspect of it. But I think as investors, we're all entrepreneurs, right? We have a vision and going back to your time freedom and financial freedom and location freedom. I think a lot of us can relate to that in, ve in the vehicle that many of us choose is investing in, in real estate because, you know, if, if you are not wanting to start your own business, as an example, it could be a good option to to do something like this. And I think a lot of people took advantage of it in a good way in the last, you know, 10 plus years. And, and I think just being around other successful entrepreneurs, around other, you know, successful investors, I think that's how that's how you move forward. And if your circle is so small, I mean, you're doing the right thing by listening to, to these podcasts and educating yourself. But I think getting out there, too, and going to different meetups and understanding the different groups. And you said it early on, right? This is not a competitive type of industry where we're fighting against each other we're actually very encouraging of each other and you know at some point the people that you meet may be your partners in future deals they might be jvs in future deals they might become great friends and i think that's just part of it too is like you mentioned get out there go to different events go to different groups listen to, listen to podcasts obviously helps with the education but really your network is is truly going to be your net worth um, and it's it's going to be a matter of times. And I do believe that you will be the average of the five people that you hang out with the most. So when you came here to this country, right, if you think then versus now, like you went to the gym, well, there's probably other people in your circle that started working out and going to the gym and, and it kind of influences, we influence each other with all that stuff. Well, that, that's exactly what we're seeing. So we started talking to people, we're quite vocal on what we do with the real estate, right? It's like the IT portion and whatever does, it's, that's a separate thing. But the... We, and at first they were like, oh, all right, well, it's, you know, good luck. But we're, we're like three years in and uh, okay, well, we see that they're still doing it and it's affecting their life. And, you know, we do more and we tell them that, okay, we got this, we got that. And there's more people. So they see that the snowball is, is getting bigger and it's not stoppable because it's, if I did nothing now, like just allow the mortgages to be paid off, I would be good in 25 years, I would be good. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's the retirement portion is already fixed, even if we done nothing now. Right? But we're not going to be doing nothing. So more people are coming over and knocking on our doors with, you know, how do you do it? Can I join? How can I join? And these are the answers that we're to find what is the best way to, to do it for the individual couple or person. And to make sure that we're abiding the laws over here because, yeah, you, you might want to start with that bit. Okay, awesome. Well, the next part of the podcast, Powell, is our lightning round. So everybody gets the same five questions. I know we like, we can still keep talking, but it's, it's been past half an hour and I, I want to keep podcasts 
fairly, fairly similar in length, but lots of great information, lots of great insights that you've provided. And now we are going to go into our lightning round questions. You ready? All right. Welcome to your midterm tip of the week. Are you often traveling for work and need a place to stay, but do not have the time or capacity to search endlessly on those online platforms? Midterm Rental Properties has been created to ensure that someone exactly like yourself who is looking for a quality assured stay but would like the assistance and a concierge white glove service to obtain this property gets the service they need. When you sign up with the property through Midterm Rentals, we ensure your stay is all-inclusive from collecting your dry cleaning to setting up a local gym membership to having a private chef deliver your food. For more information on how we can service you at your next midterm rental stay, please visit www.midtermrentalproperties.com. Here's question number one. What is your favorite real estate investing book? I like a millionaire real estate investor, but depending also on, on which side. The, so that's my, the first one to go, just if somebody wants to, to read about uh, real estate, I, I give them this uh, millionaire real estate investor. If somebody's more interested in, you know, the patterns and the actual knowledge, I like this book, but again, reading it like for five minutes and then my brain goes into La Land. The Ray Dalio one that you just lifted up? Yeah, Ray Dalio, The Changing uh, World Order. This is, this was, you know, the guy that, that I mentioned, Marcin, mm -hmm. at about 144. I, I read about, or I heard about that book from him. I read it once and now I'm trying to read it the second time, but it's a very slow process. It's, it's again, it's heavier. Yeah. Uh, but the book that made the biggest impact on my life was in 2019 when I read the Become Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash. Mm. That is about the infinite banking. And regardless if you know what that is or not, or if you choose to implement it in your life, we did. And it just teaches you how to, how to, you can tap into the same dollar a couple of times, like the banks do, right? So I guess they mm -hmm. rented it, lend it out for like seven times. And over here, we found a system. Everything legal, every like double check with everybody that we could, and you can tap into one dollar three times. And we're like, well, this changes things, right? Because then you can, depending on how much you want to, you want to leverage it. But it's this again. This is the stuff that you've never heard in Europe about. Infinite banking. I think there's probably lots of good YouTube uh, YouTube information on lot. as well. And it's not a new concept, but I think it's fairly new sometimes to our industry. And it might have been called something different back in the day. But there are some good companies that are starting to. Mm -hmm. you know, help investors because you can essentially loan the mortgage to yourself through that. Um, Pretty much. If you load it up properly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Awesome. Number two, not necessarily real estate related. Do you have a favorite podcast? I like the Canadian real estate channel. It's real estate related. And then a lot of my colleagues, friends that I met through, through you know, real estate, they start their own podcast. So whenever I have an option, because again, I speak to real estate investors like two, three times a, a day in the evenings because mm -hmm. in the mornings there is something else. I tune into the new podcast that they want to, you know, start. And if I know somebody, somebody from Sudbury who just started, one guy in, in Toronto just started a podcast. So I try to, you know, support them in that way. And it's interesting to see how, you know, that, that takes up. So, yeah, you know, you, you, I don't know what episode this is going to be, but you're close to like 300 or something. Isn't it? Yeah. We're past 200. Exactly where? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So but yes, it's, it's, you, you're well established, but they are just starting. And I like the journey, right? I like this, you know, see somebody just, you know, plant the seed and try to grow it. And if somebody's successful and yeah, that's, I like that. So 
I, I tune into these type of things and talks between two people when they're talking about yeah. mortgages or CMAC changing rules and stuff. Yeah, I just looked. 265 is going to be. 265. Right. It's just like, I, I think you're one of the oldest in, in Canada, eh? Podcast voice. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'm not, but there's the thing with the podcast is a lot of people start and then they don't continue, right? And then it's just that consistency exactly. that helps. So there's probably like a small handful of us that have been around for quite a bit of years. But the it's, second it's one fun. that comes in mind is Rob Brake. He yeah. was in Oshawa. He moved down to... He, he, he has answered the first initial couple of questions. We're going with him to mm. Peterborough. Nice. Yeah. Very nice guy. Are they still, yeah, no, they are. Are they still doing theirs? I can't no, remember. Sure. It's, from time okay. to time, it pops up, but I, I don't think they are doing it on, you know, regular basis. I think they're super busy, both of them, right? It's and, like, and I think he went to Costa Rica. So I don't know if he he's, he's building modular homes now. Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. And it is a small industry, right? So it's, it's nice to, once you start networking, you're going to, you're going to, you know, see the same people over and, and get to exactly. know them. So awesome. Number three, what do you do for fun? We have a very young family. We have a dog that likes to run. We have friends in this country now. So, it's, you know, it's when you're 40, you're trying to make new friends, right? We need to have kids for that. So, it's, uh, we do barbecuing and trips and visiting Canada. Oh, my God. Like, it's going to Rockies. And it's, this is such a beautiful country. That, that's, you know, it's, I think it will be. Yeah. For now, we're busy with that. La last year, we went for fun to, for two months to Poland because we had a new child. My, my wife was on maternity leave. We could do it. So, we've done it. So, and, and now we will not have to ask for any permissions next, next summer because we'll be able to do it because we want to. That's a good feeling. Okay. All right. Amazing. Number four, if you lost everything tomorrow, your money, your assets, your properties, how would you start again? Yeah, I was thinking about that. And I think with the knowledge and, and the network that I have, I think it would take me probably about two years to get back where I am right now because I know the shortcuts now. Right? It's like when you start things, you don't know. So I, I decided to, I like shortcuts. So I pay people to help me. Right? Mm -hmm. It's like they, whatever they want to call themselves, coaches, consultants, right? It's like some of the coaches I consider consultants because I pay and I receive the information. Yep. Coach is more like, you know, leading you to figure it out on your own. So yeah, with, I think it would be quite easy. It's probably I would start with house hacking and then move on from there. Okay. All right. And last question number five, if somebody has $50,000, again, not as much as it used to be, how would you recommend they get started? Think about their strategy. It's like, it's if educate themselves, think about the strategy, choose the market and figure it out because there's, you can do with no money down at all. You can do wholesaling, for example, right? figure out how to do this. That's is going to show you how to, you know, put an offer in, how to reassign it, what to put in the offer. So there's every little thing is, a, you know, a stepping stone. So it's try there. We don't risk too much. It's, you know, put conditions. If you don't like it, okay. Okay. All right. Thanks for playing the lightning round, Powell. Where can my listeners reach out, find out more? I'm on Facebook. I tried Instagram, but you know, it's so Facebook under my name. That's how we communicate. Can you like people. spell it out if somebody wants to write it down? And oh, sure, yeah. It's Pavel, so P-A-W-E-L, and then B-L-A-Z-E-J-E-W-I-C-Z -E -E is the surname. Okay. All right. So Facebook is the best spot? It is. Great. All right. Awesome. Pavel, thank you so much for uh, you. sharing your information, your knowledge. Uh, so nice to connect with you as well. It's always nice to, you know, meet fellow investors, you know, that we haven't, I don't think we've crossed paths before. So it's, it's nice to cross paths other than it must, I feel like it must have been on Instagram that I did reach out to you because I don't really have Facebook or I don't really. It was Instagram. I'm on Instagram under migrant real estate investor, right. but again, I don't use it too much. We're planning to do it as we, you know, progress with the helping the new immigrants into the yeah. country. 
but we're not there yet. So, you know, it's okay. going to be next year somewhere. That's how we connected. So <laughs> exactly. Right. So yeah, thanks very much for reaching out. It was a pleasure. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.